is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Our guest today on Catholic Review Radio is Bishop Bruce Lewandowski, and we will be talking about two projects the Auxiliary Bishop is working on for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, a coordinating council that is addressing racism and archdiocesan preparations for the worldwide Synod of Bishops. Bishop Bruce Lewandowski grew up in Ohio and immersed himself in Spanish while he was in college studying to become a Redemptorist priest. In his ministry, he has served predominantly Latino populations in New York, Pennsylvania, the West Indies, and now Maryland. In 2020, Pope Francis named him Auxiliary Bishop of Baltimore. Until recently, he remained pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus, Sagrada Corazon de Jesus Parish in Highland Town. He now serves as urban vicar and Episcopal vicar for Hispanic Catholics. Welcome to the show, Bishop Bruce. We're so glad to have you. Very good to be with you. Thanks so much for the invitation. In the second segment of this show, we're going to talk about the upcoming synod. But in this first part, I'd like to talk about the work that's being done in the archdiocese to address racism. This work grows out of the two pastoral reflections that Archbishop William Lorry has written on the topic, and also the U.S. Bishop's 2018 pastoral letter against racism. What is the Journey to Racial Justice Coordinating Council, which you lead? Uh, what's that council trying to do? There was a two-year process really leading up to the formation of the Coordinating Council. Uh, The Racism Working Group took on the the task of consultation in a broad sense, meeting with parishioners, clergy, pastoral ministers at the parish level and different levels, uh, meeting with folks involved in the church in various uh, ways, Uh, to get their understanding of of the church's experience of racism in the past and in the present. From that process, there were recommendations formulated by that working group that were given to the archbishop for his review. He accepted those. It was in the spring, I would say, uh, of this year that he accepted those recommendations and then formed the coordinating council to take those recommendations and move them into the implementation phase. And so the work of the coordinating council is to really um, study, reflect on, pray with, um, dialogue with, with, engage those recommendations and make them real. So the folks on the coordinating council represent different areas of ministry and different departments uh, of the Archdiocesan Catholic Center. So it's pretty far reaching, Um, it has to do with the Office for Catholic Education, Uh, Catholic Charities is involved, although they have their own manner of dealing with things. We also are involving parishes, the seminary, priesthood formation, vocation recruitment, Uh, religious are engaged in this through different representatives on the coordinating council, different religious orders. Uh, Basically, we've tried to include any and every element of Catholic life involved in the archdiocese. Now, that doesn't mean we have everybody there at the table, um, but it it does focus our attention and help us to move forward when we have enough people at the table that that we can um, 
be far reaching in implementing the recommendations. And that group even includes people from human resources and from the business office. Office for finance. Right. So you can look at vendors and contracts and, and our hiring practices. How does that all work together? How do, how do we take a look at everything there? What we've done is um, we've distributed the recommendations. This was a number of months ago. And each individual or group of individuals representing those departments or areas of ministry were asked to take the recommendations back to the people they work with, the people they serve, people that they are rubbing shoulders with every day, and to reflect on those recommendations and to come up with short, midterm, and long-term goals. So there are some really easy things that we could do. For example, around liturgy and worship, one of the ideas is um, to put more images of people of color in our churches, um, especially coming up on November now, that would be a great step forward if we could include images of Mother Mary Lang, for example, whose um, process for canonization is underway here in the Archdiocese, you know, that to include images of her and, uh, and other people of color um, who are heroes in the faith. Uh, that, that would be an easy short-term step. Long-term would be to focus, for example, on how we might um, share through word and sacrament uh, across cultures and those cultural boundaries that we create. You know, and then long-term goals, um, if you take, for example, the um, areas that you mentioned for contracts, vendors, those would be to come up with policies and procedures that would help us to avoid the pitfalls of racism and that we would um, do our best to have policies, procedures, and we would implement them in a way that would be equitable. How does the church acknowledge its role in racism, Bishop Bruce? How can the church rise above that? I, I'm grateful that Archbishop Lori took the brave step of doing his pastoral on the, the journey toward racial justice, uh, acknowledging past uh, hurts, past wrongs, and calling us to really examine our lives at a deep level as, as Catholics, and calling us to a change of mind and heart. And really, I think it's easy if we just focus on structures and say these things need to change, these things outside of us, you know, change the structures, the policies, the procedures. But really, the, the call is to a change of mind and heart that we all look inside ourselves and ask ourselves, what are my prejudices? Where do I experience the tensions of racism within myself, whether I'm a, a perpetrator of, of, of racism or whether, whether I'm a victim or both? Because I think all of us have been um, at some point in that experience of both, you know, perpetrator and victim. So I like um, Sister Rita Michelle Proctor, her approach to this. She, she said racism didn't happen overnight, and we can't expect to eradicate it overnight, that we need to make a, a commitment for the long haul. And it might be um, step by step, not a marathon going quickly. It may take a long time, but at least through the coordinating council and this tremendous process begun by the Archbishop and the Racism Working Group, um, we are set on a road into the future that will help us maybe not be completely free of racism, but less racist. Mm -hmm. What are some of the next steps or what kind of programs or efforts will the Coordinating Council recommend for the Archbishop and the Archdiocese? So one area is we're trying to develop a speakers bureau that people who um, know very well the ins and outs of racism and the journey toward racial justice, that we would have a list of people that parishes, schools, 
uh, different ministries could call on to give a program, offer a talk, um, give information. So the, the Speakers Bureau is in the works and also an advisory council. Advisory council would be very different from the coordinating council. The coordinating council right now is implementing the recommendations, but it, they may come up against barriers, obstacles, problems difficult to solve. So um, solution-oriented and problem-solving advisors could help them. And that's really the work of an advisory council, that as we're going through this process, we need thought leaders, people who have been through this and been down this road before that can help show us the way. Mm-hmm. Reforming uh, very soon, hopefully, uh, in this month of November, when we celebrate Catholic Black History Month, we'll be forming the advisory um, committee, this advisory board. Uh, another thing moving forward is that we're um, accompanying uh, the racial justice circle already existing in the archdiocese was a group that offers honest conversations about race. Uh, they have hosted in a number of parishes a process of listening. And really, it's, it's a challenging experience. I've talked to them, and um, what they promote as a program is quite challenging, uh, usually about four or five weeks, one day a week uh, of listening, study, prayer, and reflection around racism. Um, so we're actually helping um, to promote that as a program uh, that could be beneficial in parishes throughout the archdiocese. That's good. Folks can get more information about the Archdiocese's efforts against racism on the web at archbalt.org. Just scroll down to the big box that says Journey to Racial Justice. But how can people in the pews get involved with the work your coordinating council is doing? I would say first read the Archbishop's Pastoral, The Journey Toward Racial Justice. The the second thing I, I would say is and this is more difficult, but to do some soul searching, to test your own attitudes and prejudices, and to turn inside before we look outside. It's really something that starts with me and you, looking in our hearts, in our minds, and challenging our, our own patterns of thinking. This is really about conversion, and it's a conversion of each and every one of us. Um, when we talk about racism in the church, we're not talking about a political agenda. We're not talking about strategies for change. We're not talking about a platform um, that we're, or a pulpit that we're using to pontificate from. What we're talking about is uh, challenging ourselves uh, to look inside and to take the story of the Good Samaritan to heart. We know that, that two uh, of the people on the road passed the man who was robbed and in great need, and they passed by him for a number of reasons. But one of those reasons they passed by, it could be prejudice. And it was the third who stopped and, you know, poured oil and water into the wounds of the victim man there laying on the side of the road and took care of him. And so my question when I hear this Good Samaritan story is what keeps me from reaching out to the other, to the person that needs help, to the, to the one in need? And it might just be a fear. It might be prejudice. It might be anxiety, mistrust that come from racist attitudes and patterns of thinking. And so bottom line, quick and simple, it starts with me, it starts with you, looking into ourselves and challenging our own thought patterns and beliefs around people who are different from us, who speak another language, who have a different skin color, who eat different food, who dress differently from us, who really challenge us uh, by their life experience. 
Yeah, and if we can all spend more time pouring oil in people's wounds rather than making more wounds, that's probably a good thing that we ought to be aiming for. Beautifully said. After the break, we're going to continue our conversation with Bishop Bruce Lewandowski, Auxiliary Bishop of Baltimore. And we're going to discuss the upcoming World Synod on Synodality. I know that sounds a little bit redundant, but we're going to talk about that and how local Catholics can be part of that synod process. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Bishop Neil J. Buchan told mass-goers at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton October 3rd that what seems impossible in our culture, Jesus makes possible through grace. Bishop Buchan, an auxiliary of the U.S. Archdiocese for the Military Services, was the main celebrant of the annual pilgrimage for the Sea Services Mass at the Shrine in Emmitsburg. The special mass brings together members of the U.S. Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Merchant Marines, and Public Health Services, with family and friends joining in prayer and asking for her continued intercession for the country, the safety of all those at sea, and those who have fallen in service to their country. Mother Seton is the patroness of the Sea Services of the United States. She has strong connections to those who spend their lives at sea and those devoted to public health. Two of her sons, Richard and William, served in the Navy. Her father, Richard Bailey, was a prominent New York City physician in the 18th century and the city's first chief health officer. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Standing in front of Rome's Colosseum, Pope Francis called on members of all the world's religions to be courageous enough to set aside self-centeredness and instead live with a true and active compassion for those victims of war and poverty and for the earth. The Pope and Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, Anglican, and Protestant representatives, joined by German Chancellor Angela Merkel, gathered for a brief Christian prayer service October 7th before joining Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, and Buddhist leaders in making an appeal for peace. Addressing the gathering, the Pope urged religious believers to remember a key lesson of the pandemic, quote, namely that we cannot remain healthy in a world that is sick. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We're back on Catholic Review Radio, talking with Bishop Bruce Lewandowski, Auxiliary Bishop of Baltimore. Bishop Bruce, Pope Francis has called for the next World Synod of Bishops, which will take place about a year from now in October 2022 at the Vatican. It'll have as its theme for a synodal church, communion, 
participation and mission. An announcement about the theme said that synodality means walking together. Can you briefly explain how a synod about synodality will work? All right, so I'll start with the question that's posed for the synod. It's, it's simple. The Holy Father and all those who are working at the Vatican in preparations for this are asking us the question very simply, how are you? How are you doing in your parish, in your diocese, in your country of origin where your church is? It's a simple question, how are you? And I think the challenge is this. We're very much in tune with the church as, as a thinking church, head, uh, as a loving church, heart and hands. Thinking, loving and helping come to us naturally in the church. We have, have great thinkers in the church, theologians. We have great people in ministry, hands on. And many people have a heart full of love for the church. And the Holy Father is asking us right now to be a hearing or listening church. And actually, if you could imagine the church is just one great big ear. And the idea is, is just to, to listen. I think it's not a mistake, or better to say it's intentional, that this is coming at this time in, in our world when there's such polarization throughout the world and polarization in the church. And, and by that, I mean polarization, other ways, I'm not listening to you because we're different. Right. We have differing opinions. And because our opinions are so different, we can't be together. And so I, I really am understanding this myself is that we're being asked to, as different as we are, as polarized as we may seem, come together and really just listen to each other respectfully, kindly, and in charity to hear each other out and um, to be open to the, the gifts and power of the spirit as we do that to see where it might lead. Mm -hmm. The Vatican has issued a preparatory document about the Synod and a handbook for dioceses to prepare for it. Uh, Pope Francis is going to formally open the Synod this weekend, October 9th and 10th at the Vatican. Archbishop Lurie and other diocesan bishops will open the Synod in their own dioceses on October 17th. For us here in Baltimore, that's going to be October 17th, 11 a.m. at the Cathedral of Mary, Our Queen. What is that mass going to be like as a kickoff? And what does the diocesan phase, which runs through April, what does that entail? We're right now in preparations for the opening mass of the Synod. Uh, that mass will be at the Cathedral of Mary, Our Queen at 11 a.m. That is a parish mass. But we're also um, inviting to that mass representatives of all the parishes and ministries of the archdiocese that they would be present at that mass where Archbishop Lori in the homily time will, will speak about the synod and our archdiocesan vision for that synod experience. And so on that day in parishes, we're also sending out a resource packet uh, so that parishes on that Sunday can um, take part uh, where they are, where they're at in the synod through the universal prayers, the synod prayer itself, and also some homily helps. It will help pastors and other preachers, proclaimers of the word, uh, prepare for that Sunday and be able to share the message of the synod. Mm -hmm. Very soon after that Sunday, going to roll out the synod process in the Catholic Center first. So as a kind of pilot project, those who are in uh, ministry and service at the Catholic Center here in the city of Baltimore will go through the process. And it's an hour long process with no more than 20 to 25 people in a group and with three movements in that hour long session. 
One is prayer, one is reflection and listening. So there will be a set format. And with the set format, um, there will also be the need for a facilitator and a recorder. A facilitator, making sure that everyone gets listened to or chance to speak. And then a recorder who will be writing down all of the information, all of, all of the listening that's going on. So all of the ideas, information, all the data that we're collecting. We have launched a website and that website will have a portal for reporting the Synod information. And uh, we want the format to, to be um, the same for everyone. So the benefit of that online portal is that parishes can report there, but also individuals who may not be participating in a, in a group session, one of these listening sessions could also individually go online and, and take part in the synod that way. Mm -hmm. Important to note, once we roll this out into the parishes in November, that the Vatican has asked us to make this as far reaching as possible. So this will involve parish councils, parish corporators, parish ministerial groups, uh, different ecclesial movements and societies and parish committees. But it will also need to extend beyond that parish group to people who feel far from the church, people who somehow feel that the church has hurt or offended them, people who feel wounded by the church. So it, it will be a challenge to work out how we will extend the listening sessions beyond the walls of the parish. And really, um, it's been stated very clearly in the, the preparatory documents that if you just do this with your parish council, you, you haven't done the work. Right. Because it needs to extend beyond the parish to the peripheries, as Pope Francis um, speaks so often about reaching beyond the boundaries of parish, of the church itself, to the peripheries and those that we might find there. Those who might want to um, engage in this process and those who might be reluctant. Mm -hmm. But this is not like a democracy where people are going to be able to bring up changes they want to see in the church and vote on them in that, right? I mean, this is more of a new way to listen to the Holy Spirit and speaking in and through members of the church, listen to each other, uh, both clergy and laity. Isn't that really what we're after in this process? That's exactly it. To, to listen to each other to encounter each other, really. It's, it's part of creating that and it reinforcing that culture of encounter that I see you and I listen to you. And I, I like what the, the documents say. It says here, in this listening, we're spending time with the future. That's great. This is, is about now, but it's also about what the Holy Spirit might do in us, with us, through us as we go forward as a church. And so we shouldn't focus just on structures. We shouldn't just focus on our own opinions, thoughts, and ideas, our own ideologies. We shouldn't just focus on the now. We, we should be really in and through the listening, trying to hear and perceive where God might be calling us to go forward as a church. So you're, you're absolutely right. I think some of the pitfalls that we could fall into is we just focus on the problems of the church today and the concerns that we have of the moment without seeing the possibilities that the spirit is inviting to us to embrace in the future. Mm -hmm. It's really a lot like what we say about the kingdom of God being now and not yet mm -hmm. uh, that it's, it, it's both here, but it's coming too. So that's, that's an interesting thing. How are people going to be able to find out more about the synod and take part in these discussions? 
Archbishop Lori has written on the Synod, which is will be published this month, October, in the Catholic Review. He has an article there. Also, the website has been launched. So if you go to the Archdiocesan website, there will um, click on the link and you'll see materials and resources about the Synod and about how you can participate. And also, um, we're meeting with pastors and um, other pastoral ministers in the church to make sure that this is part of the parish experience, part of the Archdiocese experience for the full month of November when we'll be in listening sessions. Sounds like you are going to be a very busy bishop for the next several months. Well, I, I have to say, I, I, I've been looking at, looking at it like this. Um, the last couple of weeks with all the information that's been coming out about this, it's, it's like trying to drink from a fire hose. Yeah. In November, I think we're going to turn that fire hose on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A wealth of, a wealth of information, uh, a lot to absorb and take in, but certainly worthwhile. And again, I, I think what we're being called to is prayer, deep prayer reflection, um, centering ourselves on sacred scripture, and centering ourselves on the experience of our brothers and sisters in the church as they live it. And again, just to become one big ear, to an ear that listens attentively to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking through each one, through each person, through each believer, through, through each Catholic Christian, uh, for those in the church and those beyond the church. So again, you can find information on these topics at archbulb.org. Look at the information about racism. Scroll down and look for the journey to racial justice for the Synod. Just look for the Synod and click on that, and you'll be able to find a lot more information about both the topics that we've been talking with Bishop Bruce Lewandowski about today. Bishop Bruce is Auxiliary Bishop of Baltimore, and we talked with him in the first segment about efforts against racism, and in the second segment about the upcoming World Synod of Bishops and the diocesan portion of that. Thank you so much for being with us today, Bishop Bruce. It was wonderful to be with you, Chris. God's blessing. Thank you. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.